Good morning. Uh, let's give God praise. Amen. That's pathetic. Let's give God praise. good to be in the house of the Lord today. If you're here or whether you're meeting with us online, thank you so much for taking part of your Sunday uh, to meet with us here at Capital City Church. We're really excited about today because today is our ministry fair and we want each one of you that are here those of you that are online uh, to check out the various ministries associated with our church and uh, perhaps you can find a place where you can not only find god and find freedom and find purpose but you find fulfillment when you're serving in the very best of your heart so we're going to worship today on the third song. We have our family altar, and you're welcome to come and pray with a pastor or a leader. And so are you ready to worship today? Amen. Let's stand together, and let's worship together, and give God praise. Let's give him praise as we begin to worship.
and shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Hearts may grow, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Your love. 
kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my
Father, I thank you, God, so much for your presence in this place, God. I thank you, God, for a place that we can worship you freely. I thank you, God, for your restoration and your power. I pray, God, that you would be with us as we continue throughout this service. In your name I pray. Amen. Church. Please check out our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises, and then drop it in the offering as the ushers are going by. February 6th is First Sunday and Baptism Sunday. Don't forget to bring someone with you to service that day. If you're interested in being baptized, please speak with Pastor David. February 13th is Super Bowl Sunday. Join us for an exciting and special service on Sunday morning as we talk about God's love. Join us Sunday night for a Super Bowl party and chili cook-off. Please check your bulletins for an important update from the Pastoral Search Committee. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. May God bless you and thank you for joining us today at Capital City Church. Amen. Let's give God praise this morning. This is a beautiful worship service. The sense and the presence of God is just so uh, very, very real. And uh, so it has just been uh, just, I'm glad all of you are here. Will you turn to somebody and say, I'm proud of you making it to church this morning. Would you do that? I'm proud of you making it to church this morning. Because I tell you what, it's cold out, right? And uh, I would tell you a long story, but you don't have time to hear it. But I really am very glad to be here today. Uh, I really am because uh, we went down to see our grandson in Tennessee uh, on Thursday. And usually it takes us about six and a half hours to get there. And uh, it ended up taking 10. Uh, we drove uh, about two miles in two hours, and uh, there was a shooting in Tennessee. I don't know if you'd heard about that, but we kind of got stopped at the Tennessee line, and we were grumbling like we normally do. You know, that's what we do. Uh, you know, what's going on here? Had we not been stopped there, we might have been right in the middle of the shooting in I-65, because that's where we're going. So uh, some of you have prayed for us when we travel. Uh, I think Pat Moore, I think, yes, I see her here. Um, I'll never forget the prayer she prayed, and we had a guy pray a prayer very similar to that this last Wednesday when uh, she prayed, God, protect David from all the other drivers and protect all the other drivers from David. And uh, I never have forgot that prayer. It uh, makes me smile. But more than you know, that's true. That's true. Let me just say something before we get into uh, the Scripture this morning. Uh, many of you have been asking about uh, well, what is actually uh, the status of, of where we are for a pastor? Now, there's a little paper in the back that will tell you, um, but number one, we're not in any hurry. Okay? Would someone say amen to that? Amen. And I just want you to know we're going to find God's man 
and we're gonna find the person that God wants, and, and none of us are running away, none of us are going away, until we can all get understanding where God is, where we are, and maybe even after then, many of us won't go away. So we just want you to know, we're believing God uh, for this purpose. We decided that we would wait till after the holidays. I had three goals uh, to be able to uh, maintain our ministries, and we have. And secondly, be able to walk through transition, and we are. And third is to prepare us for the next uh, person. Now, I want you to look at the next person and just say this. The next person will be better than me. Okay? Will you do that? The next person will be better than this guy. I don't hear much saying that. Right? But I'm telling you what, you, it, there will be much better. And God's going to do something so good. And so uh, the hope is that somewhere around summer we'll have some kind of a, uh, a better idea. So don't get nervous. Amen? You're okay. You're okay. God's got this. God knows all that's going on, and we're looking at it. And it, on the, if you go back to the Welcome Center, it'll give you a little uh, update as to who is on the search committee, and we've met with Pastor Duvall, and, uh, and God is going to help us. Now, let's just all make a statement of faith. If you believe God has got this, will you say amen? Amen. If you believe God has got this, let's give him praise. Amen. My heart was that uh, when I came, when Pastor Phil was here, I want to see this church become a great commission church. That, that's, that's my dream. And I came long before I had any idea he was leaving. And then, after he left, that is still my desire. And after uh, the next person is able to fill this role, that's still my desire. And so you may not be able to get rid of me. So that's just kind of the way it goes. So, and, uh, so, so just, you're okay. You're going to be all right. God's got this. And it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. All right. Let's just start thinking for a moment. Jesus told a story to his disciples that uh, is a very familiar story. It's a story about a man who was making his way up to Jerusalem. And as he was making his way up to Jerusalem, he fell into the hands of robbers and thieves. The robbers literally took everything he had. They beat him, left him naked and bleeding and dying on the side of the road. Three men passed by. The first one was a priest. He saw the man laying in the, in the road. He saw that he was bleeding. He saw that, uh, that he had been a victim of a crime. And he was, he was bleeding. And the priest went over to the other side of the road. Why? He did not want to contaminate himself or to dirty himself with the man who was in the road. The second man was a Levite. Both of these from what we would call the church of that day. And the Levite came by 
And he saw him, and he also went the other way. I think the reason the Levite went the other way was this. And see if this sounds familiar. Oh, man, this guy's got problems. Somebody ought to help him. I don't know who it is. Somebody ought to come up. Somebody ought to do something. I mean, I, I'm just upset that nobody's doing anything, and somebody ought to help this guy, just not me. And so he goes on. The third guy was a despised Samaritan. He came, and when he saw the man, he went immediately to him. I could preach a long time just on this story. There's so much. He didn't say, well, hey, guy, come on over here and I'll help you. He went to where the man was. He knelt down and began to dress his wounds, began to give him something to drink, began to uh, pour oil and wine into his wounds, and then began to put him on his mule and took him to the nearest town, took him to the hotel there and said, care for this man and whatever it costs, the most famous words in America, put it on my account. That's what we do in America. We never just buy anything anymore. Just put it on my account. But he was saying to them, put it on my account. Whatever it costs, I'll care for this man. I want you to notice there are three different attitudes that are shown in this story that will stand forever. It tells us a lot about ourselves. It tells us a lot about our attitudes towards our possessions and what we have. You see, the first group of men were robbers, and they came, and their attitude was this. What is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. That's a pitiful attitude. However, we are living in a period of time when that attitude seems to be coming more and more prevalent all the time with carjackings. With I, I, I just read the other day that, that people are hacking churches and taking money from churches, hacking churches online. Uh, they're doing all kinds of things, robbing at gunpoint, robbing uh, homes, smashing and grabbing robbing in every way. Let me just say, as Christ followers, we ought to live with integrity and we ought to live our lives in such a way that this attitude is so far from us. Now, if we're talking about honest business, that's a different thing. But I'm talking about from dishonorable and dishonest means. Let me tell you, I have more stories than I can probably get in today. But I want to tell you about a man. Some of you may recognize his name. His name was Reverend Don Humble. He was our general superintendent for a number of years. Don Humble is one of the greatest men that I've ever known. And Don Humble, when he first got saved as a young man, he was down in Pike County. And when he got saved, he began to go to every revival meeting everywhere in the hills and in the tullies and in the gullies. If you've been in southern Ohio, you know what I'm talking about. And he was coming back from church one night, and he ran out of gas. And he looked up, and there was an old farmhouse not too far from where he'd run out of gas. 
So he went up late at night, knocked on the farmer's door, and told him his plight, and said, could you loan me a can with at least five gallon of gas? Farmer said, sure, be glad to do it. So it gave it to him, put the cap on it, set him down his way. He poured the gas in, was so happy, drove all the way home, or he went back, took the can back, then drove all the way home. He got home. And just as he got in bed, he remembered there was a cap on that can. I don't remember putting that cap back on the can. I don't remember doing that. So before he got to bed, he put his clothes back on, drove back out to where he was, found a cap. On the, on the road, went to the farmer, knocked on his house, and the guy said, did you run out of gas again? <laughs> he said, no, I forgot to bring you your cap. And the guy looked at him and said, mister, I've never seen anybody like you. He said, I just want you to know one thing. I don't want a cap standing between me and God. I want everything to be open. I want everything to be above board. I want everything to be honest. I don't want to take a penny from somebody that it's not mine. I don't want to take a dime from somebody that it's not mine. I don't want to cheat anybody. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to tell you what, we all should be men of integrity. Let's give God praise. Amen. That's what God wants for us to be. The second is more like most of us. The priest and the Levite, and their attitude was simply this. What's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. Yeah, I know there's lots of needs out there, but you know, I work hard for what I get. You know, What's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. I know there's starving children. I know there's people homeless. I know there's all that, but what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. I believe that it was Charles Spurgeon who made this statement. There is no life so small as the life who is only wrapped up in himself or herself. It is the smallest life of all. You have no idea when you have that kind of attitude, the blessing that you miss from what God really wants to do in your lives. And the third man, as we know, we call him the Good Samaritan. And this attitude is simply this. What's mine is God's. And I'm going to share it. I want you to know when I have got acquainted with people like that over the years, What's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. And let me tell you what, I have tried to live that way in my life. And I will tell you at this point, may change between now and not very long from now. I don't think so. 
But I could never outgive God. Whatever I gave, whatever I shared, God blessed me, God blessed me, God blessed me. He didn't make me rich, I wish he would have, but he blessed me and blessed me and blessed me and cared for me in every way. This is the life that God wants us to live. And so when we've been talking about this month being a great Make 2022 great, having nothing to do with politicians, nothing to do with, with president candidates, but making it great. I've tried to challenge you to become great Christians. I've tried to challenge you to become a great commissioned Christian. And it's talking about growing. It's talking about building relationships. It's talking about evangelism. It's talking about action, as Eric preached to us last week, about action. And today, the T is about trust. Can I or will I trust God with my life? You see, great Christians trust God with their lives. And there are three areas that they trust God with their lives for. And all of them require faith. The first one is my time. Ooh, pastor, I just don't have any time. My time, my talent, and thirdly, my treasure. I want to read for you out of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8. And it's a little, I can see the time is flying away from us here, but I think this is important that you read these verses along with me. In Ephesians chapter 4, and we begin our reading in verse 8, I believe it is. Uh, no, verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 1. And I want you just to read this and, and see it in the Scripture. If you have your Bible, look at it in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I'm reading from the NLT. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. You have always been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for others' faults because of your love. Amen. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through you all. And I want you to notice, if you have here, verse 7. Can you, can you read verse 7? Well, that's a, that's a lot to read, isn't it? Wow, I've got a lot in there. Uh, I think we could pass out binoculars or something, but I, ho I hope you could. Can you read it? Can you read it? For, how many can? Let me see your hands. How many cannot? Okay, me. I can't say it. Okay, verse 7. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. If you can see this, read this with me. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Read this one more time, verse seven. However, 
He has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. I have a lot more scriptures, but I think I'm going to skip uh, the rest of that reading uh, due to time. And I want to just say that there are three takeaways from this passage of scripture. First of all, God has given to every one of us a special gift. Will you look to the person beside you and say, did you know you are gifted? Would you look at the person, did you know you are gifted? And will you look at them and say, did you know I am gifted? And they're saying, you got to be kidding, right? <laughs> okay. Every one of us has been given a special gift. If we had gone on reading, and I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 4, the work of church leaders is to equip you and to help you for your work and your gift of ministry. And as each part, you may not be gifted like me, thank God, and I'm not gifted like you, thank God, but we all have this gift, and when we all do it together, the Bible says that the body begins to grow healthy and begins to grow strong and begins to grow in love. Now, there are three statements more that I just want to share with you out of this passage. And I want to have to get on the horse and kind of ride this morning. The first is, and I want you to remember this, everything you have is a gift from God. Will you say that with me? Everything you have is a gift from God. And I heard somebody over here say it right. Everything I have is a gift from God. When you wake up every day, it's a gift. Every hour is a gift. When God has given you the or to make money or to work or to whatever God has given you. It is a gift from God. Everything we have. I love the story by Bob McEwen years and years ago who was a, a representative for uh, uh, the state of Ohio to Congress. He said he took his little son, his son was about five years old, to McDonald's. And when they got in, his son said, Dad, I'd like to have a biggie fry. And so Bob said, that'd be fine. So they got a couple things to drink, and he got a biggie fry and set it down there. And the little guy started eating his biggie fries. And Bob was just having a little conversation and talked over, and he reached his hand over to get one of those fries. Ever done that? And the little kid smacked his hand. Those are my fries. And Bob said he sat there a minute. And it so shocked him. And he got to thinking and he said, wait a minute. I bought you those fries. And if I wanted to, I could bury you in French fries. Or I could tell you, I'm not going to ever give you a French fry again. Those are your fries. But don't forget, 
I'm the one who gave you those fries. And therefore, if I ask for a fry back and you slap my hand, you have no fundamental understanding of how life works. Everything you and I have are a gift from God. Fully devoted followers not only make Jesus the Savior of our lives, but they also make him Lord. There's a huge difference in being Savior. Savior, he forgives our sins. Lord, he begins to direct our lives, and we give him the keys to the house. And great Christians entrust their lives to God. Well, I might as well just get into it because I'm going to step on your toes today. You know that. But just say, oh, God, help me. Um, you know, or, oh, God, that person across the aisle, they really need this. I mean, really talk to them about this. Great Christians entrust God with their time. You say, oh, no, no, I don't, I, I don't have any time. Time is more valuable today in many ways than money. People would rather give a dollar than give an hour. And we understand that we all have, now this is something that we forget, we all have the same amount of time. If you have 32 hours in a day, I'd like to meet you. I'd like to figure out how that happened. If you have only 10 hours in a day, I'd like to meet you. Now, the way we allot our time and the things that are required of us makes a great difference. I understand that. But all of us have the same amount of time, and great Christians give their time to God. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Can I just give you a, a hint? I challenge you to evaluate one week. Don't change a thing you're doing, but just keep a little journal. I spent this much time today watching TV. I spent this much time today on my phone. I spent this much time today at work. I spent this much time today sleeping. I spent this much time. I guarantee you, if you evaluate your time, you're going to look at that and say, mm, I didn't think I spent it that much time there. The second is to ask God for direction for your time. And thirdly is committing to spending time in a way, if you're going to be a great Christian, commit to spending your time in a way to please God. Miss Deb, when you were at uh, the Bible College, uh, CBC, now OCU, was Goldie Moore still there? Yeah. Well, Goldie Moore, I know that mo most of you probably would not remember the name of Goldie Moore. She was our dean of women. She had one favorite saying, I mean, you can, I can hear it yet, ringing in my ears. Students, redeem the time for the days are evil. Redeem the time, redeem the time. It got to the point, well, how are we redeeming the time? I don't know. What, what is redeeming the time? I think it means making the best use of my time. Now, here's where I really get to stepping on your toes. If we give our time to God, a portion of every day belongs to God. It may be five minutes. It may be ten minutes. It may be an hour. 
But if you are going to be what God wants you to be, a portion of every day belongs to God. Here's what I've discovered. When I begin my day, and I begin it in prayer, and I begin it seeking God, and I begin it asking God uh, to help me and spend just uh, time with God in prayer, everything in my day goes better. It does. I can't tell you why it does that. The day I think I'm going to save time, and I don't spend that time with God, everything, yeah, everything, it, it feels just like that, you know. Everything in my life, that day, it takes longer, it doesn't work, it doesn't seem to come around, it does, the, the pieces don't fit, and, and I end up, even though I thought I was saving 15 minutes, probably what I did was cost myself a whole lot more. You'll see it at the end of this, when I get done with this whole section, but just understand that Martin Luther said that he was too busy not to pray. A portion of every day belongs to your family. Had a young lady the other day said, my husband and I have been talking about it. We're going to decide, we've decided, we're going to make more time for us. I looked at her and I said, I support that a hundred, a thousand percent. Whatever you have to do, if you have a family, it's not right. I told my father-in-law years ago, uh, when I was just first married, he asked me, he said, well, what do you have going on this week, Reverend Klein? I thought I'd impress him in time. All the people I was seeing and all the things I was doing, and I was busy every night and I was waiting for him to say, that's great, David. You know what he said? David, that's sin. Whoa, I said, that's, that's not the response I was looking for. He said, you can do too many things and get to doing so many things that you neglect your family. A portion of every day. It may not be, you may not have a long time, we understand that, but a portion of every day should belong to your family. Obviously, a portion of, of every day belongs to your work, and that usually takes most of our time and energy. But a portion of every week, you should have some ministry. If we're going to give a day to God, the old timers used to say that I ought to give a tenth of my money and a day of my time to God. Well, when you come to church, it's a wonderful thing. Sunday is a great day. And so you spend, what, three hours here? What if you just gave eight hours a week to God? You still got a lot of hours. Well, I think I'll pray 15 minutes every day. Well, you still got lots of hours to give. Well, I don't know. What can I do? We can help you. That's why all this ministry fair, that's why we can, you say, oh, I can't do it. You, yes, you can. God can help you. I want you to know a portion of every day belongs to you. You ought to have at least a few minutes for yourself. And everybody says, just by yourself. Well, where do I find it? You may have to lock yourself in the bathroom or whatever. I don't know. But a portion of every day belongs to you. And time is great. And it's like gold. Value it. I want you to notice this statement. And I want you to say it with me. Because of what I said to you about starting out my day. I am too busy 
not to pray. Will you say this with me? I am too busy not to pray. I challenge you to try it. Start your day out every day and see if it doesn't go better. I'm just too busy not to pray. Well, then, secondly, great Christians trust God with their talents. And here is an amazing thing. I don't know how many of you have checked your email this morning, but thanks to our wonderful production team of, of Tom and of Eric uh, and others, that in your email today, there was what is called a shape assessment. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. All you have to do is open that up on your computer and do this in here and submit it. It will come back to us and give you the answer so you will know what your spiritual gifts are, what your heart is, what your abilities are, what your personality is like, and what your experiences could be used. Every one of you can do this. Well, I've already done it, Pastor. Yeah, that's okay. Do it again. Most people I talk to don't even know there is a shape, let alone that what theirs is. Some people say, yeah, well, I, knew, I, I know what my shape is. I, I took that test. Well, what is your gift? Well, I can't remember. I, I know I did that sometime, but I, I just don't remember what it is. Then just do it and help us see how this works out. You see, because God has given you a spiritual gift, I don't know what it is, but he's given to you, every one of us, a spiritual gift. God has put desires in your heart. God has given you abilities that other people can't do. My favorite story is when my dad came down to see us at Alma, Georgia, and I was pastoring there, and, and uh, the people were going, on, oh, we love your son, we love Connie, we love David, we love Connie. Oh, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. We just thank God for the pastor. And here's what my dad said. Well, I'm glad God called him to preach because if he had to work with his hands, he'd starve to death. And I said, well, Dad, you didn't have to say it like that. I was in Tucson, and we had a cabinet maker that was just one of my dear friends and offered to give me a little job working cabinets. And I called my dad and said, Dad, can you believe I'm going to be a cabinet maker? He said, it's hard to, son. It's hard to imagine that. And that job didn't last very long. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but he's given all of us gifts. He, every one of us, and he has given you, God has made you the way you are with your personality, whoa. And there are no good personalities, there are no bad personalities, it's just who you are as long as we develop them. And God has, has walked with you through experiences in life, and all of those things make up what we call your shape. Spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. And what God wants us to do in great Christians, God wants you to discover your shape, he wants you to develop your shape, and he wants you to deploy. And if you don't know what that word means, it means get in the game. It means do it. Get in the game. Do something. Even if it's wrong, do something. If you don't do it perfectly, it's all right. Do it again. God wants to help you to do that. 
We need to understand that the problem is that a majority of Christ followers do not even understand the concept of the spiritual shape and do not understand the shape and they therefore have never taken time to discover, develop, or deploy their shape. I have so much, I just have to go on. Our spiritual journey, I just want you to see this. We all begin like this. When we're talking about our talents, we all begin lost. All of us are lost, away from God. And I know I'm feeding you out of a fire hose today, but just kind of follow along if you can. When we get saved, we move to first base. First base is a good thing, right? How many runs do you score when you stay on first base? None. It's a good thing to go to first base, but first base is meant to go to second base. And second base is that of growing in your heart and life. But how many runs do you score on second base? None. Somewhere between second and third base, which is serving, you begin to understand your spiritual gifts and you begin to say, I'm going to serve somewhere in the body of Christ. I don't know where it is, how it is. I want my leaders to help me to know how I can fit, but somewhere on third base, but we still don't score until we get home and we share. Determining your spiritual gifts will tell you what you do. It is hard when people come and say, um, God wants me to sing a special. Okay, can you sing? Well, I'm not sure if I can sing. You know, God bless you. That's not your gift. I think God's called me to preach. Well, can you preach? Well, no. You know, I don't know how to do that. That's not your gift. Determining your gifts will help you know what to do. Determining your heart will tell you where to go. What is your heart on fire for? The homeless, we're going to have uh, the meeting today over at uh, 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 the Promise of Hope or Hope on High at Obed's Nazarene talking about how we come together as churches to feed the homeless from three to five. If any of you want to come, uh, you're more than welcome to come. It doesn't cost anything. Determining your abilities tells you when to do what you do, when the need arises. Determining your personality will tell you how to do what you do. And determining your experiences will tell you who you can minister with. I want to skip down to the final word here. Um, and the third word here is that great Christians trust God with their treasure. And here's where I really get to stepping on your toes. You see, God has given everything to you that you have. I want you to understand that. And he has challenged us to trust him in the area of our finance. The old timers used to say, as I said, God needs a portion of my money and a portion of my time. I want, to, I want to read to you, it's found in the Old Testament book of Malachi. And we don't preach from this very often and people don't like to talk about it. In fact, someone said that it's easier for preachers to uh, 
preach on uh, impurity than it is on tithing. But uh, I, uh, I just want you to know this is still God's word. And I'll try to close it out here. Go down to verse 8, if you will. And I think we'll have it up on the screen. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 says this. Will a man rob God? Oh, can you think of that? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And the answer is in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Now that's not meaning that there's some voodoo on you, but it just means that life is not working the way you want it to work because you're not putting God first. And it says, ye have robbed me even this whole nation. And here's the promise. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now here's the question about tithing. It's never about how much money do I have. The question is, how much faith do I have? Will I trust God in this area? God's method of financing his church, and I love when we have cruise-ins, and I love when we have golf things, and I love when we have bake sales, and we're going to do it with the chili cook-off and all that. I love all that, but never forget the primary method of financing his church is through God's people paying tithe and offering. Boy, I'm glad this guy's just the interim because I don't know if I could take this all the time. <laughs> That's right. Let me tell you, God's method, when we know that there are people that are, are going without something, God expects us as the church to kind of come together and to give something so we can help the homeless or go help the homeless Tithes and offerings. And Brother Maxwell used to tell us, if all the people paid all the tithe, all the time, all the needs would be met. And I see Carolyn back in the back. Would you say amen to that? I'd say amen to that. But it's not about the church need. It's about what God wants to do for you. For he says, this is the only place in all of Scripture where he says, test me in this. Prove me in this. When I was at Brookside, every January I'd preach, I'd preach a stewardship series. And we always, on the last Sunday, I didn't do it this Sunday. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just still getting to know y'all. But every last Sunday of January, I give out what was called the 90-day guarantee. And the 90-day guarantee, guarantee was this. If you will commit to God to pay your tithe for 90 days, and it creates a hardship for you, you come back to us and we'll give you every dime you gave. We'll give every dime back without a question. That's a pretty good deal. You know how many people I've had 25 years come back? Not one. Because you see, here's what happens. When God begins to work on us and we begin to have faith for our giving, Something happens. Let me tell you the, the levels of our giving to God. And you can find out where you are. 
The first is what I call the tip level. Yeah, the worship team did pretty good today, and David got us out before the Baptist, so you know, I'm going to give an extra five bucks here. You know, that's where I'm going here. Okay? The tip level, I just give kind of, here's a dollar, God, thanks. And then there's what's called the dues level. Now, we don't have dues here, but, you know, I like this church. If this church would go away, I don't know what I'd do. So I think what I'm going to do, I, you know, I'll give a little something just to keep everything going. But, you know, I don't want to see everybody go away. The third is the, what I call the obedience level. God said, if you bring the tithe, I'll bless your life. Not only bless it, but there will not be room enough to contain it. The next one is the sacrificial level where I've watched this over the years of my life. People who have been that moved by God to give faith promise or to give a share on a missionary or to help Miss Judy. I understand she's going to Egypt uh, here in March and, and she needs $6,400 to feed the families in Egypt. And sometimes we as a church need to pray about that. God, what would you have me to do to feed uh, the families in Egypt that have nothing to eat? And then the last one is the one I love. The love made me do it level. I have no idea why I did it. And when people look at you and they stand before us and they say, what on earth made you do that? I can only tell you it was love that made me do it. And God has blessed me and blessed me and blessed me and blessed me and blessed me, and blessed me in return. Uh, let me tell you one final story and I'll be done. I preached the Mount of Praise camp many years ago with a man whose name was Jimmy Lintz. And he told a story that I will never forget. He said he was preaching a camp meeting. And as he was preaching this camp meeting, somehow he got on to tithing and got on to giving and there was a raggedy dressed woman who was in the congregation had two small children after he finished his sermon the the lady came up to him and was very angry and said i i have a bone to pick with you and he said okay what is it said you know i have these two children i'm a single parent right now I'm struggling in every way I can struggle. And you're telling me that I need to give to the Lord. He said, yes, ma'am, ma'am. Now, see, I'm a wimp. I would have said, don't worry about it. It's okay. God bless you. You know, God understands and I understand. I'm a wimp. Jimmy Lentz is a giant. He looked at the young lady, and this was his word. Have you ever thought about that because you're not giving to the Lord is why you're in this mess? Oh, it made her mad. I mean, 
steam was coming out her ears. And she stomped out of the tabernacle. Five years later, he happened to be back in that same area. And a nicely dressed woman came up to him and asked him the question, do you remember me? He said, well, you look familiar, but I, I can't quite place it. Well, I was the lady that came up and said, you know, I have these two small children. Do you want me to give? And you said, have you ever thought that the reason you're not giving to God is why you're in this place? You made me so mad, I decided I'm going to try it and I'm going to show you wrong. And I started doing that in my church. She said, Pastor, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, things started falling in place that had never fallen in place before. I got a job that I had only looked for and hoped for. I began to see things happen that I don't even know how to explain it. It had to be God. It had to be because now I have a good job. My children, we're not rich, but we're cared for. And I believe it was because I made the decision to believe God when he said, if you will bring the tithe into the storehouse, I will bless you. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until you cannot receive it. And so when I'm talking about this matter of giving in time and talent, it's really not nearly about me or about the needs of the church. It's about you. What do you believe God can do in your life? You say, you don't understand. Things are terrible where I am. I understand. And maybe you can't do 10%. Maybe you do five or one or two. But something says, I'm going to do it for Jesus' sake. And great Christians understand that they give their treasure to God. And I want to show you one last thing. I'm too busy not to pray. I'm too gifted not to serve. And thirdly, I have too many bills not to tithe. I have too many bills not to tithe. I want us to bow our heads for a moment and I want us and, and just to allow the Holy Spirit, I want us to maybe just sing a verse of all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. Father, I pray today that you'll help us to become great Christians. Give us a heart, Lord, to help us to understand that if we devote a portion of our time to you, that you will bless us in return. I don't know how it works. I just know that it does. If we will devote a portion of our shape and our talent and do ministry, God, you will bless us. I don't know how it works, but I know it does. And if we will devote a portion of what you blessed us with 
I can't add it up. I can't make it work on paper. I don't know how it works. I just know when you bless a life, then Lord, you provide all that we need. Give us the faith to hear and to understand. In Jesus' name. And as we're just seated, would you just if you know this first verse of the song. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I believe Sing it with Olivia. Pastor, pray for me. I don't really have that relationship with God that I want. Pray for me. Pray for me. Just slip your hand up, put it down. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to come to you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands lifted. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. I don't. Yes, God bless you. I see. This is wonderful. God bless you. We're not going to embarrass you. Does anyone here and say, Pastor, pray for me that that God will help me in the stewardship of my time, talent, and treasure. I'm not going to single them out. Just help me to be a better steward. Would you slip your hands up and put them down? I could put my hand up there because I want to do better with my time. I want to do better with my gifts. I want to do better with my treasure. I'm asking to make a commitment today to trust God. Take a step for the next 30 days and just try it. I'll try. I don't know what's going to happen, but Lord, I'll put you to the test. I'll try to find one of these ministries here. I'll try to either pray for it or do something. Lord, I'll do my best to give you a portion of every day. Lord, I'll do my best to give you a portion of what you've given me. And I'm just going to trust you. And let's just see what happens after 30 days. I believe God will bless you. Amen. Make sure you fill out your connection card. If you have a prayer request, if you'd like to talk to someone about any of these issues, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to give you a book. We'd love to give you and help you to get involved in ministry. I'm hoping all of you will take just a few minutes to walk around and see every booth. We're going to keep it up for a couple weeks. We want to see you be able to find your place. Those of you online, if you're praying and we're praying for you, that God will help you to understand what it means to surrender your time, your talent, and your time and trust God with your life. Father, we thank you for this day. We love you.
in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Ushers, will you come forward? They'll wait on you in the morning offering. And after we get done, uh, we're going to worship together. And please take time. Please take time to look at all these different ministries to discover what we're doing. And secondly, you may have some interest. And so please take time. And as we're taking the offering, once the offering is taken, those of you that are ministering at the tables, feel free to go there except for our instrumentalists and worship team. So as the ushers are coming, Lord Jesus, thank you that everything we have, you have given to us. Everything we have, you have blessed us with. And now, Lord, we love to give back to you that you may bless us to give more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Jesus' name, hearts may wake at the sound of Jesus' name. Hearts may wake at the sound of Jesus.